You're listening to the Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. Hey, good morning. How are we doing, Marathon? You guys doing all right today? Hey, welcome to Powdersville. Welcome if you're watching online. So glad that you have joined us today. Uh, I'm excited about the new series starting next week. It's going to be great. Uh, Eddie's going to kick it off. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, But before we get there next week, got a little something for you today. Um, Let me ask you this. How many of you remember David Letterman? Like late show, David Letterman, top 10, all that kind of stuff. Used to love the top 10 list. So got a little top five list for you today. Is that okay? How about this? Um, The five most hated days of the year. Uh, Number five, Black Friday, because people lose their minds. Like, I don't even want to leave the house on Black Friday. I'm not going to a store ever on Black Friday, but I'm not getting out there on 123 with like 10,000 Karens trying to get to Kohl's. Like, not, I'm, yeah, I'm not doing Black Friday. I hate that day. Um, Tax day. Right? April 15th. Unless, unless you're getting a lot of money back, then you're good with it. But um, number three, Groundhog Day. Because it's just dumb. Oh, it's a groundhog. They got their top hats on and their coats on, their tuxedos on. And a groundhog's going to tell us about winter. Like it came today, y'all. Winter came back today. Thank you, Mr. Groundhog. Awesome. Thank you. Hate that day. Uh, New Year's Day. This one kind of surprised me, but then when I thought about it, I kind of get it because, like, New Year's Day used to be a fun day, like when the when the big bowl games mattered, like if when anybody cared about the big bowl games before the playoff, right? Used to be a fun day. The reason that we hate New Year's Day is because our house is trashed and we have a massive headache. <laughs> Except those of us that grew up independent Baptists, we're fine, but the rest of you have <laughs> headaches. Yeah. Um, and then Daylight Savings Times Day. Today is the most hated day of the year, y'all. So thank you for being here. Thank you for setting your clock, or maybe you didn't. Maybe you thought you were coming to the early service. I don't know what it was, but you, um, you're here, and you brave the cold, and we're really thankful uh, that you're here today. Um, we're going to talk about the big four today. Um, the big four gets rolled out at Lifetrack. That's where most of us are, you know, first told about the big four. Uh, by the way, live track next Sunday, 9.30, Classroom 1. You can sign up on the app or at the Connection Center. If you haven't been to live track, I highly recommend it because uh, everything that we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about there, and uh, you'll actually do, get to do some exercises with it. Uh, but live track is where you learn about the big four, and the big four is a system that we have designed to help you in your faith journey. Uh, If you grew up in the church or you consider yourself, you know, religious, you might call this our discipleship process. This is how we help people grow in their relationship with Jesus. Now, if you don't consider yourself to be a Jesus follower or religious, I want you to know that we believe that God has created each one of us for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we believe that following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. And we believe that these four items, 
will make your life better and make you better at life. Now, before we get to the nuts and bolts of the big four, let's ponder a few questions. I want you to think about this with me, a a few questions. Like, first of all, who's responsible for your physical health? Like, who's responsible for you eating right, getting some exercise, you know, getting enough sleep at night, uh, you know, getting that time of rest that Chase talked about? Uh, Who's responsible? Listen, y'all, the last time somebody had to force me to eat something was when I was like two. And since then, I've just eaten everything in front of me. Who's responsible for my physical health? Who's responsible for my caloric intake? Um, Who's responsible for me, as Chase said, not just getting a day for my hobby, but a day of rest? Because honestly, sometimes playing golf with the Cox brothers ain't rest. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, um, uh, who's responsible for my hobby day, for my rest day? Who's responsible for you getting your hunting, fishing, golf? Ladies, who's, who's responsible for whatever it is y'all do for fun? I don't even know what it is. Whatever you guys do for fun, who's responsible? I, I don't want to make a list because I might offend somebody, you know. Um, who's responsible for you getting on the lake or getting to the mountains or getting to the beach? Um, who's responsible for your mental health? Who's responsible for your physical health and who's responsible for your mental health? And who's responsible for your spiritual health? Who's responsible for your faith journey? Who's responsible for your closeness to Jesus, for your connection to other Christ followers, for the way that you love other people, for the difference that you make in the world? Who's responsible? Listen, I'm responsible for my spiritual health. You are responsible for your spiritual health. If you're taking notes, please take note of this. Eddie Cox is not responsible for your spiritual health. Brian Chase, me, we're not responsible for your spiritual health. I'm responsible for my spiritual health, and you're responsible for your spiritual health. So we've designed this process for you. And the big four is taken from a prayer that we pray for you. If you're in the room or if you're watching online, this is what we pray for each one of you. Um, this guy, Paul, that we call the Apostle Paul, he started a bunch of churches and then he wrote letters back to these churches. And uh, most of what we know is the New Testament is, is these letters that he wrote back to these churches. And uh, he started a church in the city called Ephesus. And then he prayed this over them and we pray it over you. He said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Paul prayed this over the people in Ephesus, and we pray this over you. If you're in the room or watching online, we're praying for this for you constantly. We pray this for everyone that walks through the door. This was Paul's prayer, and this is our prayer for you, and this is where we find the big four. We we want you to find a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We want you to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that he died on a cross to pay our sin debt, and then he rose again. 
See, each one of us is a sinner. And our sin separates us from God. And Jesus died in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. And then he rose again. And we want you to find faith in Jesus. We want you to follow Jesus. We want you to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And listen, we, we reject the notion of just being Christian. We want you to follow Jesus. We want you to know God better. We want you to live enlightened. We want you to live in freedom. You see, when we give our lives to Jesus, he moves us from darkness to light. We don't want you to live in darkness. We want you to live in the light. We want you to know God's calling on your life. We want you to embrace the truth that God has called you to make a difference in the world. We might say it this way. We want you to be the church. 2,000 years ago when Jesus started this movement that we now call the church, he did not call us just to simply gather in a building. He called us to be the church. And I want to help you be the church today. I want to help us move from just being Christian to being the church. Now, this is going to be super practical today. Uh, our faith journey consists of four steps. We're going to look at them today. This is what we call the big four. And the first component is what we call read or know God. And what we want you to do is we want you to read the Bible. That's how you get to know God better. We want you to read the Bible. We want you to know God. Now, that all begins with this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And by the way, the, things, the, the thing that sets Christianity or following Jesus apart from every other religion is a personal relationship with God through Christ. You see, every other religion is about striving. Every other religion is about doing everything that you can to find God's favor. But following Jesus, Christianity, it's all about what Jesus has done. It's nothing about anything that we can do. It's about what Christ has done in his death and his resurrection. Our sin has separated us from God. Jesus died on the cross and rose again, paid the penalty for our sins so that we can be in this relationship. It's only by faith in him that we get this restored relationship with God. Now, this is the coolest thing. It's personal. It, it, it's a personal relationship. Each one of us is responsible for our relationship with God. Each one of us is responsible for our spiritual health. Listen, every healthy relationship must be nurtured. Uh, your relationship with your spouse, your child, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, every, every relationship in your life must be nurtured. And each one of us is responsible for our closeness with Jesus. Now, here's another cool thing. Not only is it personal, but God has spoken clearly through the Bible. He has spoken clearly. We can know God better, and we can know him personally. In fact, this is what Paul said to his protege, Timothy. He says, some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. And th this is what I fear. I fear that there's a lot of Jesus followers, a lot of Christians walking around 
that don't really know God. Yeah, they put their faith in Jesus and heaven is their home, but they haven't really nurtured that relationship and they don't, they don't really know God. The most important thing is to know God. This is back to the prayer. Paul said, I pray that you may know him better, that you would know him personally. Paul prayed and we pray that you would know him better, that you would know God better, that you would know him personally. Now here's how that happens. We, we believe at Marathon that we believe that we should have a daily personal time with God in the Bible and then we should gather for corporate worship and teaching. That's what we're doing right now. We've gathered for corporate worship and teaching. We believe every Jesus follower should have a church family, should have a place where they gather and worship together with people and hear teaching together with people. But we also believe in a daily time with God. We do. We want you in a service every Sunday to hear the Bible taught and preached and applied. We, we want you in one of these rows every Sunday so that we can learn and grow and worship together. If you're watching online and you're not able to be with us in the building, we want you watching every weekend so that we can grow and learn and worship together. And then, and then, we want you to spend time with God in the Bible every day. God our Father has spoken. And let me just tell you this. The Bible wasn't written to you. The Bible was written for you. It wasn't written to you, it was written for you. And we believe that reading the Bible will make your life better and will make you better at life. Now, the cool thing nowadays is you don't even have to pick up a literal Bible because you have one of these in your pocket or your purse. I would highly encourage you to get the Bible app. You can read the Bible right here on your phone. In fact, most days, this is where I read the Bible, on my phone. That thing's both a, both a blessing and a curse. Eddie said a couple weeks ago that we spend 40 hours a week on our phones. Can I admit to you that I'm not hurting the average? I'm right there with you. And listen, if I receive a text, I have to look at it. Like five minutes into my message during the 930 service, somebody texted me, and it was like everything I could do not to, hmm, Yeah. Because I always think it's urgent. I always think it's important. I always think, man, somebody really needs to tell me something. They texted me. But most of the time, it's really just one of my friends jacking around. Like, it's not really serious. It's just for fun. But I have to check it. It, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to or if I'm, a, if I'm in a meeting. I think it's urgent. If I'm talking to you in the atrium and we're having, like, this great conversation and I get a text, I'm going to be like, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to try to focus on the person in front of me. Can I tell you, and I don't know if you feel the same way about text. I think most of us do. Can, can I tell you that God has sent you a text message? And it's urgent. I don't know if you've noticed, but the world's kind of messed up right now. And God has text, texted us to say, hey, look at your life can be better and you can be better at life. We've received a literal text message from God. What if we had some urgency? I think we need some urgency. We've received this text message from God and some of us have never read it. And if we would just read it, everything would be different. Our life would be different. 
Our relationships would, would be different. We would know God. We would develop this closeness to God. If we would read it, our life would be different and our, our marriage would be different and our relationship with our kids would be different and our morals and our ethics and our principles would be different. And listen, I want you to know that the Bible is true and personal and trustworthy. And it wasn't just written so you would know stuff. It was written so you would know him. Now, it's great that you're here today to hear me talk about it. We couldn't be more thankful. But it's not enough just to listen to somebody talk about it. You should read it for yourself. Now, there's probably some reasons that you don't read your Bible. Um, I've heard some people say, well, I've tried to read it, but it's just too hard to read. Well, don't do anything difficult in your life. I mean, why do that? I mean... (laughs) You know, do you know what's more difficult? Trying to undo the poor decisions that we make because the wisdom of God is not apparent in our lives. Listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about an hour of Bible study a day. I'm talking about 5, 10, 15, 25 minutes a day. And it's not, it's not that difficult. Don't start in Leviticus. Don't just, don't just throw it open and go, oh, there's a verse. And Jesus, Jesus went out and hung himself. Judas went out and hung himself. I mean, wh- do it now. Like, s- start in the Gospel of John. Or start in the Gospel of Luke. This guy, Luke, was a doctor. And he said, I did an investigation. I invested, investigated everything about Jesus, and this is what I found out. Just read the book of Luke. He'll tell you everything you need to know about Jesus. He did an investigation. He didn't just write from the top of his head. He did an investigation. He wanted to see if it was true. You know, some of you, you don't read the Bible because you're not sure it's true. And, you know, if you're a skeptic, if you're just checking out this whole faith, faith thing, if you're exploring faith today, we're, we're cool with that. We're fine with that. But s- some of us, we're like, uh, I, I don't want to read it because I'm not really sure I believe it. Um, well, we, we read a lot of stuff we don't believe. I read stuff on Twitter every day I don't believe. I mean, People Magazine? Really believe that? What, what about that fashion magazine? Do you think that girl really looks like that? Somebody say airbrushed. If you're online, type airbrushed in the chat. Give reading the Bible a shot. And see, I believe that God can turn your curiosity into belief. Start simple. Start with John. Start with Luke. Start with an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. Maybe start with the book of Proverbs. It's like right dead in the middle of your Bible. There's 31 Proverbs. Read one every day. You'll read the whole thing in a month. It'll make your life better. It'll make you better at life. Let let me just tell you this about me. When I don't read my Bible, I see the weaknesses of others and overlook my own. That means it's always somebody else's fault. When I don't read my Bible, I only see what's on the surface. And I forget that the person standing in front of me is an eternal being that's going to spend eternity somewhere. 
When I don't read my Bible, I get materialistic. I want to hold on to what I have, and I want to strive to get more. And when I don't read my Bible, I struggle with anger. I know some of you are shocked. Dude gets mad? Hey, when I don't read my Bible, I get angry like that. And not, not only do I get angry quickly, but I hold on to my anger way longer than I should. We want you to know God. We want you to hear teaching and preaching and apply it. But we want you to spend time with God every day. And then we want you to pray. Now, when we say pray, what we really mean is find freedom. We're not just like talking about praying for your food. Although if you're going to go to Golden Corral, I highly encourage you to pray before you eat. I apologize to anybody that loves Golden Corral. Um, we, don't, we don't just mean, now I lay me down to sleep. You know, God don't let a creep come in. I don't know. We don't really simply mean pray every day. What we mean is to have some people in your life that pray for you and you pray for them. We, we call this community. We call this connection. We call this doing life together. We call this life groups. We call this ministry teams. Paul prayed and we prayed that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that, that you would live focused and clear. The way that that happens is through our relationships. The way that happens is through a real connection with other Jesus followers. We, we believe that we find enlightenment and freedom in life groups. We believe that we find peace through relationships. We believe that healing and health are possible through meaningful relationships. So check this out. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this. He said, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Listen, we want you to have some people in your life, some righteous people in your life to pray for you. And we, we want you to be the righteous person in somebody's, somebody else's life that will pray with them, that will pray for them. We want you to know God. We want you sitting in rows on Sunday morning. But listen, we believe that circles are better than rows. We, we believe in this gathering with all of our heart. But we believe if you really want to follow Jesus, you need to get a circle into a circle in a living room or into a circle around a table here at the church. And you need to get around some Jesus followers that will pray for you and you can pray for them. That you will love that, and that they will love you. That you'll encourage and support and serve one another. Listen, life groups are designed to connect you relationally so that you can grow spiritually. Listen, we, we believe with all of our heart that you should read the Bible every day. We believe with all of our heart that this is your best weapon in the spiritual warfare that you are in. The Bible calls itself the sword of the spirit. It's your weapon against this world, against the culture, against whatever it is that you believe that you're fighting today. But you can't reach your full potential in Jesus Christ with just this. You need people in your life. You need real connections in your life.
God has created us for relationships. We need each other. We depend on each other. This guy, Paul, wrote it this way to the church in Rome. He said, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We belong to each other. If you're a Jesus follower, you belong to me and I belong to you. We belong to each other. Community, meaningful relationships, they're not optional as we follow Jesus. To reach your full potential in Christ, you need relationships. Listen, life groups are an integral part of being the church. We need each other. Jesus said there's two great commandments. Love God and love people. Love God. Know God. But then love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. You can't love people unless you're in close proximity to them. And listen, when we get together, not just in here, when we get together, God's power is present. Jesus said, I tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything that you ask, my Father in heaven will do it. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. The power of God is present, not just in this room, but every time that we gather two or three together. Listen, prayer is more powerful with two people present. Prayer is more powerful with three, four, five, six, eight, ten, twelve people present. Listen, I, I need a life group. I need a real connection. It's part of being the church. Listen, y'all, I, I need people to walk with me. I need people to walk with me and to help me grow spiritually. I, I need accountability. I need encouragement. And then I, I need people to watch out for me. I need some people that will have my back. I need some people that will defend me, will stand with me, that will protect me. And, and I need people that will point out my blind spots. This may shock some of you, but I can be abrasive from time to time. And I don't always recognize it. I need somebody in my life to say, dude, not cool. Not cool at all. Paul wrote to this church at Philippi, and he says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Look out for somebody else. Let somebody look after you. Now listen, I know, I know this is countercultural. We think that we should mind our own business. Listen, if you committed to following Jesus, your business is my business, and my business is your business. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need... Jesus followers, in your business, be the church. And then listen, I need people to weep with me. Many of you probably know that my dad went home to heaven Tuesday morning. Listen, pain and heartache are coming. Bad news is coming. We need people to weep with us when the bad news comes. There's going to be bad medical reports and loss of loved ones and relational struggles and work struggles and all kinds of cultural struggles. And nobody should go through them alone. You know what happened when my dad passed on Tuesday? Every single person 
Every single person in my life group contacted me. Every single one of them. And beyond that, three other life groups checked in on me as well. Asked me, hey, is there anything that we can do for Amy and you? Can we bring a meal? Is there anything we can do for you? That's being the church. You, you need some people, four, five, six, eight, ten, twelve people that will be there for you when times get tough. Listen, we, we find freedom not just when we pray, but when we pray for others and they pray for us. We find freedom when we care for others and they care for us. We find freedom when we encourage one another, serve one another, honor one another, when we're devoted to one another. That's being the church. Listen, we want you to read. We want you to know God, and we want you to pray and be in a group and, and do the one another's of the New Testament. And then we want you to serve. And we're going to talk about how you can make a difference in just a minute, but, but when we say, ser- say serve, what we really mean is for you to discover your purpose. So here's, here's a news flash for you today. You were not put on this earth to make money, enjoy life, and retire. You, you were put on this earth to make a difference. To really make a difference. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But to really make a difference, we have to talk about your unique design first. And again, that prayer. He said, I pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you. God has put a calling on every one of our lives. But here's the cool thing. He has des- uniquely designed each one of us to fulfill that calling. You have a unique design to go along with the unique calling on your life. David said it this way. He said, God, your eyes saw me, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God, you saw me in the womb. You saw me before I was even born. You had this in mind for me. And you knew exactly how you designed me, God. You knew exactly what you had called me to. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. We all have a different design, a unique design. And I say this all the time, and I'll never stop saying it. You'll hear me say it in live track. You are not one in a million. You're one in like 7.6 billion. There's like seven and a half billion people on this planet, and there's no one else like you. There's no one with your personality your spiritual gifts, your life experience, and your circle of influence. God has created you uniquely. There is nobody else like you. And if you don't do you, nobody else will. To that same church in Ephesus, Paul continued to write, we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You were made to contribute not just consume. God made you to make a difference. And li- listen, what matters is not how long you live, but how you live. What matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. We're called to make a difference. Now, to have the greatest impact, you have to know how God has created you. Peter wrote this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use your unique design to be 
the church, to serve one another. Now, when you attend Life Track, you discover your personality and your spiritual gifts. And listen, to, to have the greatest impact, you have to know how God put you together. Let me say this before we move on. Every gift is important. And every personality type is needed. Do you know that when somebody visits Marathon Church for the very first time, uh, they decide the first eight minutes that they're on the property if they're going to come back again. Before they ever find a seat, they've already decided if they're going to give us another shot. That's a long time before Spencer ever sings or plays a note. It's a long time before Eddie ever says a word. So you can make the argument that the people who greet people in the parking lot and at the front door and greet people in the atrium, and then when they find a seat in here, your gift is more important than Eddie's. You can make the argument. I don't know if you know how important kids' ministry is. If a parent brings their child and if they don't believe with all of their heart that their child is safe and being well taken care of, they're not going to hear a word Eddie says. So you can make the argument that what people do at the front door and what people do in Marathon Kids is more important than what we do up here. Every gift is important. Every personality type is needed. So all of that, know God, live in freedom, Know your design so ultimately you can make a difference. We want you to give and make a difference. God has placed this unique calling on your life. We pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you. You've been called to something. Listen, when you met Jesus, you were called from darkness to light. And you weren't called into that light to hold it close to your chest and keep it to yourself. You were called into that light to make a difference. Listen, there's two types of people in the world. People who make excuses and people who make a difference. We make a difference by giving our time, our talent, our tithes, and our offerings. We we make a difference by joining a ministry team. We make a difference not just in the church, but in the community and in the world. And everything that God has given you has been given to you so that you can make a difference. Each one of us has a part to play. Each one of us called to be the church. Paul, this guy, wrote this. He said, now you're the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And he went on to give us this crazy example, like that some of us are a hand, and some of us are an ear, and some are an eye, and some of our are, are foot. And he's like, but God puts it all together to accomplish his will for his glory. And, and some of us, if we're just honest, we're like, I don't like it that I'm a foot, so I'm not going to do anything. I don't like it that I'm a hand. I don't like it that I'm an ear. The body is dependent upon you. We all belong to each other. We all have a part to play. Each one of us brings a unique perspective. You're uniquely designed to minister to people that I can't minister to. God has wired each one of us to make a difference. And check this out. Paul wrote this too. He said, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God's not going to leave you hanging. He's going to give you the power to do what he's called you to do. You know what all this means? It means that making a difference really comes down to one factor. 
want to. You have to want to make a difference. It's, it's about passion. Listen, passion fuels the world. Y'all, we have an amazing worship team. So much talent, right? We're blessed to have so much talent lead us in worship. But talent alone does not bring us into the presence of God on a Sunday morning. It is their passion that brings us to the feet of Jesus. It's not the talent It's not the voices, it's not the instruments, it's the passion to worship the true and living God. It's about their heart. Listen, if you're going to make a difference with your time and your talent, your tithes and offerings, you're going to have to, first of all, open your heart. Open up your heart to Jesus. Open up your heart to this calling. Open up to how he has designed you. Open your heart to what he's calling you to do. Just a quick example. He's calling some of you to surrender your finances today. Jesus was so clear about giving your tithes and offerings. And listen, if you're a Jesus follower, you're called to be a contributor. If you're you're a Jesus follower, you've been called to be the church by giving. Now, if you're in the room or you're watching online and you're not a Jesus follower, I give you permission to check out for the next 30 seconds to a minute. If you're not a Jesus follower, you can check out. Because I want to say this to Jesus followers. There's a a pastor uh, from Canada named Mark Clark, and he's been mentoring our staff from afar uh, for a few weeks to a seminar. And, and And he said this, and I just wanted to share it with you, and I'm quoting him, okay, so don't get mad at me, I'm quoting him. He said, too many people that follow Jesus are just consumers. Do they think it's free to turn on the lights and run the air? He went on to say that Jesus said that money is the telltale sign of where your heart is. And he said, some of us ride around town all day listening to hours of worship music. Your playlist does not tell me what you worship. Tell me how you spend your money and I'll tell you what you worship. Because Jesus said your money follows your heart. If you're a Jesus follower, giving your tithes and offerings is not an option. And listen, our vision to reach people who've never been to church or had given up on church is dependent upon your giving. And listen, we we all applauded this morning because five people gave their life to Jesus last week. How many of us had anything to do with that because we invited them or because we poured into their life or because we gave our tithes and offerings to make that happen? How many of us? Surrender your finances, and then surrender your time. Surrender your talent, surrender your gifts, surrender your personality. Listen, if you will open your heart, God will put that calling in your heart. Open your heart and then listen to your heart. Listen, some of you are moving so fast you can't hear your heart. God has put a calling in your heart, but you won't stop long enough to listen. Life is moving so fast, you've forgotten what you were passionate about. Or maybe for some of you, life just happened and your passion went right to the back burner. And finally, you have to step out in faith. You have to open your heart and listen to your heart, and then it's going to take a step of faith to make a difference in the world. The truth is, some of you just don't see it. You don't see the difference that you could make. 
You don't think you have anything to offer? You, you think that somehow you're, you're going to fail if you step out in faith and, and, and try to make a difference? And listen, without God, you probably will. Because God's call is a call to faith. The writer of Hebrews said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith and without God, we don't stand a chance. But Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. With faith in God, you can make a difference in the world. There's nothing better than doing something that makes a difference that will last forever. There's nothing better than living in the big four. Knowing God, living in freedom, knowing your design, and making a difference. And listen, these four things will make your life better. It'll make you better at life. And each one of us is responsible for our spiritual health. And every one of us has a next step in our faith journey. Let's take them together. Hey, if you're in the room, would you stand with me? If you're watching online, we're going to pray together right now. And I just want to lead you in two prayers. First of all, if you're a Jesus follower, I just want us to pray together that we would open our heart to Jesus and what he's calling us to and that we would be obedient then. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father? I know that you have designed me uniquely and put a calling on my life. And I open my heart to your calling today. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to be the church. And I want to start right now. So God, show me what my next step is and give me the courage to take it by faith. And if you're in the room or if you're watching online and you've never given your life to Jesus, but you feel that call in your life today, that Jesus is calling you into a relationship with him, would you pray this? Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I I can just come clean about that. I can admit that today. And I believe that Jesus died to pay the penalty for my sin. And I believe that he rose again. And I put my faith in him. I want to follow him. I want to be obedient to everything that he commands me from this day forward. The best I know how. I give my life to Jesus today. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure to let us know by connecting with us online at MarathonChurch.org. If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us at MarathonChurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thanks for listening to the Marathon Church Podcast.